Richard, you ready to put 30 minutes on the clock? Let's get it. All right, here we go. 30 minutes. And now, here is your uh, week five. Let's let's call it the top of the line update real fast. Then we're going to get into what Richard uh, saw and wants to talk about yesterday. Um, your real-ass playoff teams, Richard. Uh, we're going to talk about Clemson right away. They survive, question mark, a UNC attempt at a uh, failed two-point conversion. Oh, we will get to that. Yeah, I bet. Um, they are still a real-ass playoff team regardless. Uh, Alabama, Ohio State, and Oklahoma, congratulations. You all beat the crap out of lesser conference opponents. Proud of you. I'm trying to get I'm trying to get through this season with watching like as little Alabama as possible. I've watched like two quarters of them play. It's really easy to do, and that's not an insult to the tide whatsoever. They're just so efficient. There's, and, and, I mean, this is after they were down 10-7 after the first. You still knew exactly what was going to happen. Um, then rounding it out, of course, LSU and Georgia, they're on a bye. So those are your real-ass playoff teams as far as we're concerned. Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Georgia, and Louisiana State University. Now, Tier 2 is where it gets a little messy, but, uh, you know, I don't know. It's really hard to figure out teams after those, after those real-ass playoff teams. You got, like, a sea of schools. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to establish Tier 2 like we do every week. Somebody's going to get mad, and that's okay. All right? Tier 2 is Auburn, which we will get to in a second. 56-23 over Mississippi State. Ooh, boy. Ooh, man. Uh, also in the, oh, my gosh. Actually, I wrote Jesus with a dash uh, to really emphasize the Jesus. Penn State beat Maryland 59 to nothing, so my concerns about their offense were uh, totally warranted. Yeah, I literally was about to say Penn State solved, like, every issue in 60 minutes. Every possible concern you would have had about them this year. My God. Uh, Wisconsin was 24-15 over Northwestern. We'll talk about the ugliness of that game. Notre Dame beat Virginia 35-20. to And then Texas and Oregon in Tier 2 were both on a bye. So, again, that's Texas, Oregon, Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Penn State, and Auburn. Now, Notre Dame's the only one in that group that has a loss. It's to Georgia. It was good. I don't really have any science behind this. That ain't me. But those are Tier 2. Tier 2 is defined by teams I think could maybe break into that top group or at least have some sort of shot of affecting the playoff. Now, here's a list of teams I don't know what to do with. They're good. I don't know how good. We can't figure that out yet. Florida, they beat the crap out of Towson. Congratulations. Uh, Boy, you're going you're gonna to figure out Florida in six days, let me tell correct. you. Correct. That's why I don't know what to do with you yet, Florida. But I'm going to figure it out real soon. Uh, Iowa and Minnesota, I, I don't know. And then, as usual, rounding out, I don't know what to do with you, is most of the Pac-12. So that's, uh, in this case, this <laughs> week, it's Utah, Washington, Arizona State, and Cal. And then, uh, I know you're good, but I don't know what to do with you, Virginia. Um, you had some tur- I mean, like, I, was re- I really thought they could pull it off. They look good against Notre Dame at times. And then Oklahoma State, um, you know, your only losses to Texas, but I don't know what to do with you. Uh, and then real quick, Richard... Uh, the best G5s, again, this is in no particular order, but I do think these are the G5s right now that are affecting the at-large bid. They won't make the playoff, not because we don't love them, but because college football is a crooked enterprise. Southern Methodist University. Oh, man. Jesus. Get me a two-tone rugby shirt and a bag of cocaine, because it is 1985. Gold transams for everybody. Yikes. Uh, they murdered USF. Turned them into a grease spot. Uh, Central Florida. They beat up on UConn. Cincinnati had probably, I think, the most interesting win of this group of five. They beat uh, Marshall and looked good doing it. Uh, and then rounding it out, Hawaii beats Nevada, uh, App State, and Boise. Those are my those are my best G five teams right now. It's, uh, Dude, it's a lot Hawaii of was an Hawaii was an underdog in that game and murdered Nevada. 
absolutely wreck Nevada. Uh, Hawaii and Boise are in, I believe, either a week or two. So we'll get a little, uh, we'll get a little understanding there as we march on. But uh, it's it's about what we expected, to be totally honest. You have Boise, uh, Utah State, right outside of this. So it's Boise, Utah State, Hawaii is a surprise. SMU, of course, a huge surprise. And then you still have Central Florida, you still have Cincinnati, um, a deep but not overwhelming American Athletic Conference. Richard, it was. Um, not great in terms of intrigue <laughs> after the two-point conversion with Clemson in North Carolina. We'll get to that in a second. Um, one of the games that was not particularly interesting to watch from an outsider's perspective but definitely gave us, um, I think, good data is Auburn. Yeah, I, Auburn, like, that's how it's supposed to look. Like, you are supposed to run the ball very effectively. You are supposed to throw the ball pretty well. Your front is supposed to absolutely wreck what Mississippi State's trying to do. Uh, it's plain and simple. Like, that's putting it all together for Auburn at the exact right time. He's got a trip to Gainesville in six days uh, mm-hmm. for the big one. Uh, Mississippi State, Willie Gay, the, the team's best player, didn't play. They lost. That's kind of how that works. This weird FERPA thing marches on. I don't know, however, Richard, if that would have mattered a whole ton. No. I Look, look. Mississippi State looked like they lost a lot of NFL caliber talent on defense last year and are replaced. Exactly what they did. Yes, sir. Um, I I don't have a lot to add other than the fact that this had – there were drives in this game where it was like uh, – it, it, there were drives that were so old school proof of concept on Malzahn that you kind of felt like your faith restoring. If you If you've been – on the fire gust train for the past like two ish years, this felt like something from a couple years back, and it, I think it, it's it's put a lot of faith back in Auburn with a freshman quarterback. Yeah, that like I I loved that Auburn. I loved that like I love watching Auburn when Auburn's good because when Auburn's good, there are no bells and whistles. There is nothing fancy about it, but it's it's not like a you know a triple option something like that. Like it's very much just like road grading like run over your ass uh like shit through a tin horn like i love that about auburn when they're good and when they're firing on all all cylinders and they win that game what was it like 54 to 20 something what's amazing to me and the final was uh 56 to 23 what's amazing to me is how auburn never ever gets that accolade what you just said of like physical run through you and that's when they're good that's exactly what they're doing they're i mean they're a fancified you know osborne nebraska when they're really clicking um now Let's tap the brakes completely. It was, I mean, it, it it was a game, and there is still that sort of freshman quarterback time bomb situation. I just think State's defense was just not capable of putting them in bad decision making spots. I, I mean, I don't I don't really think it amounts to much more than that. However, I will say this: we have to stop and look back at August and, and all of the off season and realize like Gus is in control. The defense looks fantastic. It looks like they're ushering along another very good quarterback. Things are very stable on the plane, so we do have to say that. Um, talk but to me. Things can be things can be very not stable on the planes very quickly. <laughs> talk talk to me in October, uh, North Carolina. Um, okay, it was a bad call. It was a bad play call. I like the call to go for it on two. I yeah yeah um you're like I th- I can't remember who said it. I think Greg McElroy said it on the broadcast of all people Greg McElroy said it but he was like look North Carolina is like playing with house money like this is you know this is when you like do that um I I loved 
that North Carolina went down there, scored, and went for two at the end. They lose the game 21-20 to um, to Clemson. Look, I, let's talk about the play call. Okay. North Carolina has run a similar type of play in a two-point conversion situation before. They ran a speed option against South Carolina um, that got them a two-point conversion in that game. Look, Clemson saw it. Clemson knew it was coming. They all said it after the game. They were like, we absolutely knew it was going to happen. It is it is a fairly ingenious play call, um, kind of in a vacuum. Basically, the offensive line um, goes one way, and you, know, you, you option the opposite way with one receiver wide, wide out, like near the sideline um, for a lot of space, and you basically run it into the alley there. Um, uh, against Carolina, South Carolina, they did a, a speed option against Clemson. They they brought a, a motioned wide receiver and basically did a nouveau riche uh, triple option. Clemson 100% knew it was coming and snuffed it out. It was uh, pretty – like as soon as they came out in, I was like, I, they're going to do that. Um, and it just didn't work. You called it as it was happening? Yeah, just because I'd seen the play before. And I, like I, we literally wrote about Clemson or uh, North Carolina's two-point conversions on Banner Society last week. I was like, they're probably going to do that. That is Free the thing shit. that makes sense. Because, Free I mean, they, they – look, I'm not an offensive coordinator, but I knew that, like, I don't think the move there is to run into a mass of bodies. Um, you've got to do what you can to get speed in the edge um, in that situation. And North Carolina knows that. What – um. I think it's number nine. I'm trying to remember who who was it that crashes in and immediately identifies it. I it it might have been Simmons, but I don't quote me on that. It might have been. I'm not sure, but you could tell that the read was there. Well, the thing that the thing that showed up was that they did know it was coming. And oh, also the thing that showed up is they're um, really way more effing talented than South Carolina's defense. So. That is that that Clemson win is a hundred percent a we have better talent than you. Yes. We are clearly not figured out. But we're more talented with, than you, and and in the end, talent will win the game. So I was I was I was talking to a Clemson fan. It was actually a neighbor of mine who came over uh, uh, after the game, and she was asking, and she said, "Why why is Mac going for two in that situation?" And I just said, "Look, I'm not a statistician or mathematician, but like if you go into an overtime setting and you're going good on good, basically in the exact you know, overtime creates the exact same situation for both teams, right?" Mathematically, just looking at the rosters, Clemson's going to be more successful like an overwhelming amount of time, amount of the time. So, I like the idea of going for two completely because they were on their heels a little bit, and you had the element of surprise. Um, I don't know if I if I would have done that. I, I maybe maybe you fake it and throw it. I don't know. Going for two is statistically going to work roughly fifty percent of the time. I don't. I don't know the numbers um, on going to overtime against the best against the most talented team in the country. Right. That's that, that's my <laughs> argument. Gone, is like, but... are you are you really going to go punch for punch with with Clemson in right. that situation? I... No. Don't don't do that. Give yourself one. Give yourself one good shot versus dragging it out, uh, where eventually they're going to get you. Yeah. You you got you got sixty minutes of house money. You played it as well as you could. I do not want to give a few extra possessions to Trevor Lawrence. I I just don't. All right, uh, Brian Floyd, our, our uh, managing editor, Tex Vengali, I don't know, um, at Banner Society, kind of the guy behind the scenes who makes the trains work, he's a Wazoo grad and said something damning, I might add, in our private work slack yesterday that maybe Washington is being undervalued after the Cal loss. I He's disagree. a Wazoo grad. That's trash, by the way. 
You're supposed to. You're, all I said is you're supposed to tell me how they're cheating or doing something illegal. You're never supposed to compliment your rival. I disagree here because of this. First and foremost, just on its face, if you look at that box score and you take turnovers out of the equation, you can't tell me who won the game. You literally can't. Um, Washington and USC played roughly the same game, save for turnovers. Yeah. Um, USC absolutely got the run game figured out in the second half. They were 2.2 yards per attempt in the first half. And then they were basically 10 yards per attempt in the second half running. Um, Washington absolutely bullied them up front in the first half. And then USC got it figured out. Um, but three interceptions, two of them in the red zone, two of them in zone coverage where at least two of them in zone coverage, where it looks like your quarterback where Fink just absolutely did not, uh, see the defender with the first red zone pick. And, um, and the very first pick he threw in the game was like a deep shot. Um, and Brock Hewitt actually had a really good all 22 breakdown, Basically, it looked like Fink knew that Washington's safeties were really, really deep. Um, and then also Washington dropped the linebackers after the snap really, really deep, which which Fink wasn't expecting. There was a deep, I think it was like a deep over route, deep dig um, that Fink tried to take. And I, it, it was stealing for uh, for Washington's defense. Um, I But look, I, I, I do not think Washington is being overvalued. Because okay. I don't think Washington was at any way demonstrative in that game. That that final was what twenty eight to fourteen. So you mean wait? So you mean they're not being undervalued? Yes. Yeah. yeah you yeah. think they are? You think you think they're sort of? You think the the market value is correct on Washington? Yeah, I think I think Washington at this point in time, I think Washington is uh, is pretty properly rated. Um, USC gave them more of a run in that game than the score indicates. Um, yeah. 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 That's fine. I, I would agree. Uh, again, that's why I don't know what to do with them. Um, all right, moving on. Um, okay, Richard, uh, consider this a lesson in modesty, an older journalist to a younger one. Um, when you say something all year and no one listens in the off season and then it happens, um, what you should do is be mature and dunk on everyone's ass when it happens. Absolutely. Uh, I said all off season. I mean, everybody said it. I think even Purdue said it. The roster is the, the expectation and the marketing and the chatter was way ahead of the roster. <laughs> okay, guys, they, they were trying to tell you that when they were getting killed by Auburn. So guess what happened? They're, they're not as good as everyone thought they would be, except people who said, hey, guys, they're not there yet. Yeah. Um, they, they lose that game uh, yesterday to Minnesota, 38-31. to 31. Um, Look, Jeff Brom is still a good coach. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you can do, not much you can do, when you have a thin roster, your best player far and away gets hurt in the first quarter on the same snap that your quarterback gets hurt again. And Elijah Sindler's been banged up this season. Um, if you didn't see it, Sindler, it's it's honestly, it's on a sack. Like, Rondale Moore did not have the ball. Um, Sindler gets sacked in the backfield. And, like, at the same time, um, Rondale Moore is going out on a route and he gets rerouted by a defender. And he just kind of gets his knee caught and it looks like it hyperextends or something like that. I don't think... Uh, there's an injury prognosis on either of the two of those. Obviously, this is this is Sunday morning, 10 Eastern. Um, I don't think Purdue said it uh, specifically what those injuries are. But, like, look, this is the margin. If your best player's hurt and your quarterback's also hurt, 
you know, it's going to make the rest of of the game or the season, if they're out for for a long time, unfortunately, uh, tough sledding. But look, they still competed in this game. Like, they still only lost the game by seven points. On the other side, very quickly, Minnesota, 4-0. Four one-score games. This cannot continue. I don't know. Okay, here's the deal. Uh, We got to address – we got to have a PAPN brand meeting real fast. Uh, Normally, we would be all over this shit, right? Uh, 4-0 Minnesota. It's fun. Rowing the boat. All that stuff. Um, Yes. And then also, I looked at their schedule last night after I realized they were 4-0. They have Illinois, Nebraska, and Rutgers. They could be 7-0. And I'm going to be honest. Six and one, sir. Illinois adjusted. Uh huh. Um, they, we could still not know if they actually were secretly shitty. Yeah, we could still have no uh, idea. I think somebody, I, I, in the, somebody in the Banner Society Slack uh, yesterday was like, Minnesota grad, are we the most fraudulent 4 0 team in the country? I mean, their last four games are Penn State, Iowa, Northwestern, Wisconsin. And that's really maybe because we don't really know that Maryland's such, in such a volatile state. Like, they could roll in, literally into November 9th, possibly with one or no losses, and they might not even be good. And, and I hate to say that because I think it's awesome they're doing what they're doing. So uh, it's fun. Congrats. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, pardon the gimmick at the top of the show. I really don't know what to do in Minnesota, but <laughs> good good for you, you know? Yeah, I like, look, I it's, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Like you said, like eight nine win Minnesota by the end of the season. And we just throw up our hands and we're like, yeah, sure. I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm a G five guy and they beat Fresno and on the road, which matters. They went to double overtime to do it. They held serve at home against a pesky option team in Georgia Southern. So I, you know, it's not the schedule. I just, I don't know, but Hey, keep winning and we'll keep talking about you. I mean, you know, it's fun. It's cool. Ski you ma. And that works. Yeah. Ski you ma. Um, I don't really have a transition out of ski you ma except ski a shit, Richard. <laughs> um, all right. I want to hit this 50-50 if we can. Yes. Uh, you okay. go SMU. You talk about okay. SMU. Uh, culture fit, culture fit, culture fit. Um, I think it was a little bit of – I think the success of SMU is a little bit of, of a better – ooh, man, this is going to piss some people off after the way Arkansas played yesterday. Um, it may be a better schematic use of – the kids that Chad Morris recruited to SMU by Sonny Dykes, because this is just like, this is that Sonny Dykes wheelhouse. Like this is the Sonny Dykes. We know like the Sonny Dykes that was at Louisiana tech murdering folks. It, it, it's that Sonny Dykes again. I will push back on that a little bit. I don't know. If, okay. I don't know if Sonny Dykes is getting, I don't know if Sonny Dykes is getting more out of them or it's, it's just a team that's been together for a year that they're just progressing. But we're seeing, we're seeing a ceiling here with SMU. Now we, this is a this is a better team than Chad. Chad was recruiting towards something that never really materialized, and he went to Arkansas. And that's that's what you do. That's what you do. There's no no fault or or criticism there. It's just that it never congealed at this level under Chad, and then you know no one else really like this was it went June Jones. Like I mean, this is what you do. I mean this this team goes five and three, five and three down the stretch. They're the best SMU team in thirty years. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like this is. Um, it it was a it was a sort of an unremarkable hire and it made too much sense and then like it, this is why you have a Texas Air Raid guy at a place like SMU and uh, you know I hate to be coach centric all the time and not athlete centric but I don't know if there if there's anything fundamentally different except just plugging a more traditional Air Raid in um, 
We'll find a spot to talk about A&M in Arkansas, I guess. All right. Uh, SMU's really good as a G5. Um, and I'll leave it at that. They could, yes, they have the ability to win the American. Yes, they have the ability to get the uh, the New Year's Day uh, Group of Five pick in the Partner Bowls. Yes, all that is true. I don't know much else, and that's okay. They are fun to watch. I know that, Richard. Um, this is like a Pony Express sort of kind yeah. of vibe, and it's cool. It's fun. Um, yeah. Okay, okay. Holy shit, USF. I holy shit. Holy I shit. Mean, look, that the final score in this game was I think like forty eight to twenty one, folks. SMU was up 41 to nothing at one point in time in this game. I, look, we talk, Godfrey and I talk with a lot of coaches. The Q word is a dirty word mm-hmm. in our profession. You are not allowed to say that, not, not you're not allowed, but you shouldn't say that a team has quit on a coach. Um, there are some people, I'm telling you right now, there are some people around USF's program that think that team has quit on Charlie Strong. Yeah, Richard and I were talking about this yesterday at work. Um, I was getting texts from coaches who were just watching that game um, and looking. I think one was just even looking at the box score. But I never, so I never ever walk away and say that team has quit on that coach because I don't know. I'm not a football coach. It's just except for except for Louisville last except for Louisville last year on Bob Petrino. (laughs) Petrino is a complete okay. Fair. All right. Asterisk. We'll rewrite this real fast. Petrino is a level of transparency that just is such an outlier. <laughs> Otherwise, I don't know. Um, in this case, I had I had two coaches almost back to back text me yesterday afternoon, and I was talking with Richard about it. Where this, yeah, they're they're done. They quit. They that's a total rejection of the system. And I had someone close to the USF's program say the same thing. So like within thirty minutes, like every, like we had three people that are like, yeah, it looks like they quit. Um, so so now now it's a matter of like. Both sides need to make a change to salvage respect for both both Charlie and so- and South Florida. They need to make a change. I'm not I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure who's in a worse situation at this point in time, week five, than Charlie is. I yeah. mean, look, they are the defense is punchless. Um on offense, they're they're definitely still searching. Um, you know, they Jordan McLeod comes in for Blake Barnett against Georgia Tech three weeks ago. Um, then McLeod started against South Carolina State two weeks ago. Obviously, they they blasted South Carolina State. Um, and they were on a bye last weekend. They were down in, to SMU 41 to nothing, coming off of a bye week. I, I'm sorry. This, I know. This cannot happen. I know. This cannot happen. Charlie, I, I think it's now 10 games in a row they've lost to FBS opponents. I, I, what are you supposed to do with that? What are you supposed to do with that? The offense has been, the offense was searching, um, but before they went and got Kerwin Bell, they were searching last season with Sterling Gilbert. Um, it, it's just not there right now. Um, Charlie's in, in a bad way. Richard, tell me about, tell me about Baylor real fast. And then tell me, you wrote Stanford with a question mark, so I guess you want to talk about Stanford. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Please okay. take me through the yin and the yang of that. Uh, look, we t- just I, I want to touch on Baylor just because we talked about Baylor on the Tasting Menu show. We kind of set this game up as as something yes. to look at for for Big Twelve dark horses, and you were totally right. Um, okay, Baylor. First of all, a little odd that you went up twenty to nothing and then watched uh, Iowa State claw all the way back. Um, Baylor's defense in the fourth quarter just like 
only rushed three guys and Brock Purdy like absolutely tore them apart in the in the fourth quarter of that game to come all the way back. But fair is fair. Baylor holds on, wins that game um, at the end there with with the field goal at the very end. No college kicker situation. Um, I liked what Baylor showed on offense. Um, first of all, Denzel Mims at wide receiver. I, look, I may be late to the party there. That dude is an absolute player wide receiver. He had an end zone catch, um, I think in like the second quarter, where he literally just like took the DB, like grabbed him while he was trying to jam, shoved him out of the way, like ran in the end zone, was wide open, caught the ball. Um, Great catch, great play. Um, Mims had, I think, two touchdowns in that game. Charlie Brewer, quarterback, was running around doing some things, uh, looked pretty good. Um, Yeah, Baylor looked pretty good. Baylor looked, they they scratched this game out and they clawed it and they won the game. I all all uh all credit to you. All right, Stanford real fast, because then we gotta hit the blitz. Yes. Uh whoo, buddy. Um I'm just gonna say this. If you take out Cameron Scarlett's 45 yard run, uh he rushed for 20, 23 rushes, 47 yards, two yards per rush. Stanford can't run the ball. I know Oregon State's improving. Oregon State clearly doesn't know how to win this type of game yet. Mm -mm, Stanford comes back, wins the game with a jet toner field goal, the buzzer. Um, Oregon State is improving. They are getting better. Stanford has a problem because if they're going to do this screen air raid type stuff, um, again, like we said on Wednesday, against better teams, against teams with better speed, they're going to get shut down. Hey, uh, real fast, I have a theory now that Oregon State is a sober man's Nebraska um, <laughs> because they did the exact same thing. They didn't know where to turn in the face of a ton of confusion and like fundamental program identity crisis. They go to a native son who was a quarterback, and then they're they're just committed to the long road. They're just doing it without you know a thousand percent of the media coverage. It's true. Think about it. Um, and they are improving, by the way. It's just not going to show up for a while. And and the problem is that Oregon State, it may not. It's just that's how it works. Um, all right. Sometimes I just like to read your notes back to you. Notre Dame's record performance is built on a throne of lies. And then you just wrote <laughs> sack adjusted. Um, basically, on the ESPN crawl yesterday, um, I saw it said Notre Dame held Virginia to four yards. And so I was like, well, that's curious. Um, so I went into the box score and of course I noticed the scourge that is the NCAA statisticians counting sacks as rushing yards. Why? They are not rushing yards. It is a drop back. The intent usually is to pass unless it's just they sack the quarterback behind the line of scrimmage. Why can't we just why can't we just have them exist in their own table? Like why do we have to put them on a, I, I mean I understand it's negative yardage, but I would just say isolate it from the total yardage somehow. Like, I don't think you, it necessarily belongs on either in the RPO era. I will say this. You know what's going to get this fixed at the end of the day? Our friends in the desert. Because our friends that are trying to make vested interests on games as gambling becomes yeah. more legalized are going to get some of these, stat- these statistical anomalies figured out. So, yeah. yes, when you put the sacks back in, or wait, excuse me, when you take the sacks out, uh, Notre Dame held Virginia to 59 yards rushing still very impressive not four what was actually very impressive in that game more than anything else uh Virginia coming out of halftime does like a sand wedge onside kick um that was absolutely beautiful try to steal a possession back you know what Notre Dame does off of that Notre Dame takes that possession back um with a tip drill interception by Myron Tungavailoa Amosa 
uh, his defensive lineman, catches the ball off the tip, and then all 285 pounds of my guy are rumbling, bumbling, stumbling near the goal line. Um, he actually is Heisman. Tua's cousin if, you, uh, if you're playing oh, okay. along at home. Okay. And on this day, he was truly the most athletic Tunga Vailoa. That's only because when you play Ole Miss, you know, sometimes it gets on you. You got to wear gloves and a mask. Um, a little Peisman talk. I like it. Absolutely. I like it. Um, uh, Virginia is, I still think, good. Uh, not their best day. Um, so much better than Tech. And this is where I wedge in a Tech uh, comment. Uh, oh, my God, it would be the comment. Also, we still don't respect David Cutcliffe enough. I don't know if it's possible in college football. And then also, oh, my God, Virginia Tech. Yeah, I do think it's in play this year. Everyone keeps hitting me up on the Twitter. Like, yeah, Buddy, it's, it's legitimately was, in the. Woo. It's in play. It's in play. Okay, real fast. Um, oh man, we only have ninety seconds. Okay, you posed a question: How the hell did Michigan State score forty points? And at the end of it, you asked, "What's my take on the situation in Indiana?" My take on the situation in Indiana is they are not going to tolerate anything less than a bowl this year. And even then, if it's six wins, I still think there's a referendum on Tom Allen. This is a defensive coordinator turned head coach. We talk about how rare that is. You just gave up 40 points to Michigan freaking state. That's my take on this game. Um, that is a referendum at this at this point in your time in Bloomington that things are probably not going to progress much more. Okay. Uh, Michigan, Ohio, Michigan State, Ohio State next weekend. I I, I think I know what's going to happen. And Can I'm not even talking negative about points. I, no, I, I think Ohio State's going to blast them, man. But this this week is the only thing that gives me relative pause. Like Michigan State in the next two weeks plays Ohio State and Wisconsin. Michigan State can do the most Michigan State thing ever, which is absolutely muck up what we think we know about the Big Ten. They've got two weeks to do it. And if they can, All right. the stretch run in this league is going to be something, something. I'm just going to leave it on this. Wisconsin, you had a bad day. I still love you very, very much this year.